Hey, it's Leah. Before we start this episode, I just wanted to tell you about this other show called Stuff the British Stole. It's from CBC Podcast and Australia Radio National, and it's got all the story elements I love. It's got colonial theft. It's got museums denying that theft. It's got intrigue. It's got jokes by Australians. Join host Mark Fresnel as he picks one artifact and takes you on the wild, evocative, sometimes funny, and often tragic adventure of how it got to where it is today. Check it out on the same thing that you're listening to this on or on CBC Listen. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, and we're back with the fourth episode of Porter Primers. By now, you'll know that these primers are Black Porter History 101, short explainers inspired by the new original CBC and BET Plus series, The Porter. The TV show is a fictionalized take on the real lives of Black train porters in the 1920s. In this episode, historian Dr. Dorothy Williams breaks down how porters survived on notoriously low wages, taking on side hustles and other entrepreneurial pursuits. Sell my soul? To those white devils down at the station, work like a slave for a fraction of what they get. Every time I step on that train, I leave my dignity on that platform, and I'm sick of it! The economics of poverty, which is what porters had to face on their own, porters often found different ways in which to deal with that. For some, it was their spouse, their partner, who supplemented. She would have a, a, their own job. Between them, they could pool their resources and survive. Often, these men would use the fact that they could, well, today we'd call it smuggling, but they would move goods while they were on the train, and they would travel from town to town, bringing goods, packages or liquor, etc. This stink on it, June. Fifty bottles of rum. Grown up money. To pick up cheap liquor one place and sell it elsewhere, so you could make a few extra dollars. They didn't just have to rely on the tips and their low wages on the trains. They could supplement in different ways, such as being a sort of a, a conduit in between uh, one region and another. You earn a few pennies here and there, and that helps. That really helped. A significant portion of the porters, particularly West Indian porters, got into what we would call today hustling or <laughs> um, entre entrepreneurial activities. So they would uh, take the skills they had and within the black community often, they would open up a tailor's shoeshine business, uh, a newsstand, a barber shop, a little restaurant or, or a lunch counter, something that they could use to build up their own uh, extra money that they needed. Another way in which porters, particularly in Montreal, significantly used to earn money is creating their own private men's clubs that they would charge. So during the downtime, particularly when they were laid over, one of the places that they would go would be these gentlemen clubs where they would pay their fees, go in, they could, you know, play pool or, or play cards, just be together with other black men in an environment that was non-discriminatory. 
and those fees help to pay the bills for some of the porters. At another level, you had those porters that could pool their resources together and open nightclubs or what we would call speakeasies. You know, back when I told people that I was going to open this joint, they thought that I was crazy. <laughs> Couldn't imagine that a black man could do much around here except, you know, work in the mines, on the trains. They would attract the entertainment bands and, and uh, dancers and stuff. But the problem with that, if I must say, is you still had to negotiate because getting a liquor license was something you had to do with the state. So that was not open. It wasn't open for everybody. One had to have an awful lot of patience or deep pockets enough to pay off the police or to pay the civil servants to get your license. And I think that the black men who opened up these businesses, the porters, they wanted more of the independence. You think I need a partner? I think you need a man that knows every vein in them trains. And I think if I've got to spend the rest of my life bowing and smiling, people rather spit in my face than see me as human, then killing me would be a kindness. They didn't want to take on one type of, I won't say slavery on the train, or Jim Crow on the train, or sort of being beholden to the fact that once you're on the train, you could be just fired at the whim of a, you know, a disgruntled traveler. You wanted more agency for yourself. You didn't want to have that kind of relationship in your own business, right? So they would often pick businesses that they could be on their own, make their own decisions. Porter Primers is produced by Melissa Fundira with mixing by Brayden Alexander. Tina Verma is senior producer and RF Narani is the director of CBC Podcasts. All the clips that you hear in Porter Primers come from the new original series, The Porter, produced by CBC and BET+. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.